I'm excited to introduce our spiritual leader, our mentor, Reverend Patrick Cameron. And I think he's coming from somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to Center for Spiritual Living. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand up with me. Let's say a prayer. <clears throat> In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, In this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So as we stand together, let us call forth that essence of life that is seeking expression. As we choose it, it chooses us. And so I know for myself that that one life is my life. It is our life. We come together this day to be reminded of that through the music, through intentionally choosing our words and our thoughts in a way that become, we become that gracious host of divine receptivity, that clean, hollow vessel for the beloved. So I give thanks this day. I know that we show up prayed up, resourced, supplied, loved, cherished and honored in every way possible. This day, one day removed from Valentine's Day, the day of love. This day, every day is a day of love. And so may we stand together in that unconditional love of self, of friends, of family, of community, and of this planet. Let us know that as we stand in this awareness that wherever love is needed on this planet, it radiates out and touches lives we can't even imagine. Let us know the shift in consciousness that takes place this day by means of us coming together makes a difference in this world. In fact, it is the only thing that ever has. It is the only thing that ever will. It is you and I raising the bar for ourselves, putting down those things that no longer serve us, and stepping up and continuing in that never-ending progression of transformation, of love and light, truth and wisdom and harmony. For this I give thanks. I give such great gratitude for the blessings that are pouring forth by means of our gathering this day. Releasing these words in that gratitude, I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Please be seated. <clears throat> How about Martin? Isn't he great? Yeah. That guy's awesome. Answer to a prayer. That's how it works. Yeah. Right and perfect people. See, in life, if we, if we do affirmative prayer and ask for the right people to show up in our life to actually like us and support us and are a good fit, guess what? It happens. Yes. Yes. You know, our problem is sometimes we think it's going to last forever. 
It lasts for as long as it lasts. And then we're on to the next thing. So anyway, Valentine's Day. Did you have a good Valentine's Day? Yeah. All right. Good. Good. You know, I was um, doing a lot of reading about relationship this week because Valentine's Day was coming up and I wanted to make sure it was clear as I was beginning my, uh, my sharing this week. And I was reading something that was written by uh, the comedian Chris Rock. You know who Chris Rock is? And he said, Chris Rock said, you know what? You've got to be into whatever your partner's into. If your partner's into church, you better be into church. If your partner's into crack, you better be into crack. <laughs> so I thought about that. Not that I'm thinking about crack, but I thought about the other part of it, that you better be into it. And I realized, thinking about my life with Laura and our relationship, and you know, what, what do we share? What do we have together? Well, at church we share. And The other great thing, I think that the most outstanding thing that we share is that both of us ha- uh, share a, just an absolutely unconditional love for the same man. <laughs> so I got that going. I'll, and I'll keep track of the other things as I move along. She's smiling. Don't worry. She's okay. <laughs> so today we're talking about the power of a successful covenant inspired by Catherine Ponder's book, The Dynamic Laws of Prayer. And a wonderful quote I came across this week. I love quotes. Quotes are so great because they, they can inspire so many things. They can inspire talks and articles and songs and, and uh, wonderful, wonderful knowledge we have available to us. Wonderful Tagore quote. That states, everything comes to us that belongs to us if we create the capacity to receive it. Everything comes to us that belongs to us if we create the capacity to receive it. So, Dr. Holmes would say, everything is already created in the mind of the one. There's an endless supply. It's almost like a video game. You go down one of those video games and, and wherever you, whatever door you want to pass through, you know, and, and I, 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 you know what? They lost me when Pong went away. Remember Pong? I mean, I was happy with Pong. What happened? Now it's all this other stuff. But, you know, there's, there's an endless, there's an endless um, uh, avenues we can go down. And so, the, and so our lives are like that, endless choices. We can, we can choose something new in this moment that will change, transform our lives forever. Those moments people come along in your life, those disappointments we've had that have, have, have you know, in, in, um, empowered us through our, our decision, no longer will I do this, no longer will I participate like this, into a, a new idea to get us launched into something. So that not only will I won't do this, I can't do this anymore. <clears throat> In Catherine Ponder's book, she said this, she quotes uh, Matthew. She says, again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree as on earth as touching anything that they, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. Once again, Matthew. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them as my Father, as my Father who is in heaven. And so what Matthew is saying there is where two or more are in agreement. It is done. That's the power of a sacred covenant. You come together and you agree on something. See, when we, we, we take it out of our own head and all of a sudden we agree with somebody else on something, we've made a new decision, well, we may or may not act upon that decision, but the new decision, it really becomes alive when all of a sudden we, we share it with another. And it's important who we share it with. It's really important who we share it with because some people you share your new, your new decision with and they'll talk you out of it. You don't want to do that. What are you talking about? You know, have you noticed that? Has anybody been in this teaching long enough to realize that sometimes your family starts wondering what you're doing? 
Where you're going on Sunday? What's up with that? My family stopped asking years ago. And they don't ask anymore. And that's probably a good thing. <laughs> so prayer partners is very important. To turn, and, and there's two forms of prayer. They're boiled on in two. If we turn, <clears throat> there's, there's negative prayer. And you all know what negative prayer is? It's worry. Anybody here ever worry? It's negative prayer. I, I like the phrase, it's debt paid on, on, on something that's not yet owed. Paying interest. It's not yet owed. But, but negative prayer is worry. And most people on the planet worry a lot. It's negative prayer. It's use of mental energy in a way that's not productive. And then there's positive prayer, which, has, which is a, a, a affirmative thought as well as action. See, the action is really, really important. Because we can, we can think good thoughts. We can think all day long and not act upon them. Bill Gove, a wonderful teacher by the name of Bill Gove. I went through one, uh, some training with him about six weeks ago. He's trained some of the finest keynote speakers on the planet. Amazing. It's a formula, and it's, it's just an amazing system uh, that he's created, and it goes back a long time. Fascinating stuff. But Bill Gove says it is easier to act yourself into good thinking than to think yourself into good acting. It is easier to act yourself into good thinking than to think yourself into good acting. It is easier, in other words, to, to get up in the morning and rather than think, once again, I'm going to get out and get my, my 10,000 steps in this day and get some exercise in. It's easier just to go do it. Go do, the, go do the exercise. It's easier to attract healthy relationships and just simply do that and start to, 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 to discern in your experience rather than just simply think about it. You know, and then you find yourself in the same conversation with the same people over and over again, frustrated because you had agreed not to do this anymore. Anybody ever done that? I've done that a number of times. You know, I've shared with you many times. I got into this teaching because I was going to be master of time, space, and dimension. And then I was going to go see Europe. That was my plan. I mean, you find something, something say, hey, law of attraction, you know? What you think, you create in your life. Oh, man, yeah. And there's some semblance of truth in that. I didn't realize all the other stuff I had to get rid of in order to have the experience I wanted. <clears throat> but it's the only way to live. It's the only sane way to live, in my opinion. Laura and I were getting on an airplane in um, Seattle. We were, we were connecting, come back to Edmonton. And we went over to the counter to ask the lady, uh, a question, because we, we were confused about gates. I think there were two different gates assigned. Walked up, and when we got to the counter, there was a lady that was behind the counter, and there was a man there that was just giving her the gears. I mean, just calling her every name in the book and screaming and hollering and on and on and on. And we, I'm standing behind the guy, and he's just, you know, he's, hands are flying, and he's just really upset. And he finally gets done with what he has to say, and so it's, now it's my turn. And she's kind of reeling in this wave of, of negative emotion and anger and frustration. And so I walked up to her and I said, you know, listen, I just got here. And as far as I can tell, I think you're doing an amazingly good job. And she looked at me and she said, are you Canadian? I said, no, but I'm working on it. You guys are so nice. <laughs> yeah, we are. And that, and that is not a bad thing. You know, I mean, we laugh about how polite Canadians are. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And many times people confuse our kindness and politeness as weakness. It's not. You know, when we stand grounded in the truth of who and what we are, when you know who you are, when you know you're the thing itself and you, you show up that way, whatever shows up, you are the consciousness. You are, the, you are that balanced 
harmonious consciousness of peace and presence on the planet. And there's nothing wimpy about that. There's nothing wimpy about that. I mean, you, well, there they are. They're, they're down the sides now. They used to be up here before I remodeled. But look at Gandhi. You know, look at Gandhi. Change the world with his consciousness. You must be the change you wish to see in the world. Martin didn't share with this time when he got up to sing first service, though. He said, you know, the change comes from you and I. I thought, hey, just go another 10 minutes. I won't have to say anything today. Sing a couple more songs. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. But it's true. We change the world moment by moment, thought by thought, each thought, each thought. And so Catherine Ponder talks about a sacred covenant. You've got to enter into a sacred covenant. You know, yesterday was a day of love, and, and we, we, we enter into a marriage. We're gonna, actually, we're going to get married today. You didn't know that. We're all getting remarried today. We're all going to marry. Okay, so you'll be taking your vows. You, did you know that? Yeah. But you know now. You know now. Coming later. Stay tuned. We take vows. Many times we've taken vows with things that don't serve us well. Many times we take vows with ideas that we were given by parents, by people that didn't like us for whatever reason. David White, I love David White. I'm going to share a poem with you today from David White. He's a young man in England. He's sitting there in class, and he said this teacher was just the most amazing force of nature he'd ever seen, and one day he just comes into class and says, Today we're going to study Othello! And he walks over, and everybody's like, wow. And he walks over, and he picks his kid up by the lapels, and he holds him up. And he says, Othello's a story of somebody that just hates you just for the way you look. And he puts the kid down on his desk. He says, man, did we study Othello? <laughs> Found out all about it. Iago, some people, some people just don't like you. Let them not like you. It's okay. We don't have to not like them back. Mother Teresa would say, love them anyway. And so we're talking about this sacred covenant. This sacred covenant is important. It's when we get into prayer partnership. It's when we get into relationship. Do you remember years ago, I, I never forgot this, years ago when, when the Vietnam War was going on, <clears throat> and a Buddhist monk uh, lit himself on fire. Uh, I'll never forget that image. I can't remember his name. I was going to Google it this morning, and I didn't, I didn't get to it. But I'll tell you what I know about that. <clears throat> that Buddhist monk that lit himself on fire in protest of what was going on, he was the finest monk they had. He was, the, fi he was the, the most complete consciousness that that group had. They didn't send the, 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 the first year guy. They sent the finest monk they had because it took consciousness to stand in that fire, to stand in that sacrifice and say, we, we can no longer do this. This has to stop. It's consciousness. It's consciousness precedes experience. And sometimes consciousness calls for something. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that all of us need to light ourselves on fire, but there's, here's a man that was so clear about who he was and what he was that said, you know what, I'm willing to make this statement. And I'll tell you what, that statement has stuck with me forever. I, I will never forget that image. I will never forget that as long as I live, that monk that gave his life for that. I think about it many times when I stand with people. man came up to me at the end of the first service, and he's, he's, he's got some serious health things going on right now. And I, I just hugged him and hugged him and hugged him. I said, man, I'll stand in the fire with you. I'll stand in the fire with you. And because it, 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 at one level, it's a very sad story. And at the, other, at the other level of it, because healing, see, the, thing, the truth about pain is, with, with that pain, we can, either, we can either run from pain or we can decide to be a healer. There's two choices. We can either run from the pain or we can decide to be a healer. Many times we distract ourselves with the pain. And then, we, and then our whole life becomes about avoiding the pain. 
instead of pulling it close and saying, what's going on here? I'll stand in the fire with you. But you can't do it if you haven't done the work. If you haven't, if you haven't ground yourself enough in the truth of your own being, if you don't really understand who and what you are, it's really hard to do that. And you don't have to be complete in that because it's, it's a journey for all of us. It's a journey. We're, all, we're, we're works in progress. We do the best we can. And sometimes we do better than other, other days. I do, I do much better when I, I, I'm rested up. If I'm not rested up, I don't do as well. So I've learned when I'm not rested up, keep my mouth shut. Because then I create more work for myself. Then I say things, and I'm apologizing for a week and a half. Now I just, no, I'll talk to you later. <clears throat> Can't talk to you about that right now. Nothing wrong with that. It's not personal. I'm just not able to talk to you about that right now. Because I talk to you about that right now, it's going to go on forever, and I don't want to have this go on forever. So it's important when we make this, the covenant. So Catherine Ponder says there's three things when you start. There's actually six. Three, the first three things are, what do you want God to do for you? What are the things that you want God to do in your life? And she focuses on three. She said, the first one is eliminate. What do you want to eliminate in your life? What is going on? What are the patterns? What are the, the, the repetitive things that are happening in your life that don't serve you anymore? What do you want to eliminate? Because it's really, a, a, the spiritual path is the law of subtraction. It's not about more and more and more. It's subtraction. It's elimination. So what do you want to eliminate? What are the, the character defects that you need help with? You know, is it anger? Is it frustration? Resentment? Whatever it is. Number one, elimination. And then it's manifestation. So we've, we've created some space now. What, is, what wants to come in and be part of our experience? What do we want to manifest? What do we want to demonstrate? What do we want to experience? If you want more love in your life, it's helpful to be more loving. If you'd like more prosperity in your life, it's important to step into the law of circulation and to give. See, the whole way you tap into that is giving. And you start, you start to get that. Amazing stuff. But how do you manifest? How do you manifest things in your life? Some of it requires practice. If you want to become proficient on an instrument, practice. Like Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. If you haven't read Outliers, you've got to read it. It's in the bookstore. Amazing book, about 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours, anything you want to master. And so, and the, and the last one that she talks about is what God wants you to do for you is, is gratitude. What are you grateful for today? What's working in your life? You got over here today. You look great. Everybody looks great. Fantastic. It's the best anybody's, you, this is the best you've looked since I've been here. I'm loving what I'm seeing. Amazing. I'm looking around the room. Holy cow. This is a good looking group of people. This is incredible. All right? So know that. You made it here. You can listen, you can breathe, you can hear, you can choose, you can think. All those things are working in your lives. I mean, I'm so grateful for the music. I'm back there dancing like crazy. It's a good thing they're they locking me in the back now until I can come out because I get to dance. I'm back there just dancing. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, it's awesome. But those things are working, and sometimes we get so caught up in the, in the, the minutia of a, of a situation of the frustration. I'm, I'm living today. There's been so many great people that have come into my life that have have disappointed me, have lied to me, and, and, and done things in my life that forced me to grow and stretch and forgive, forgive them, forgive myself when I've done the same things to others. I mean, this, this journey of life has got a lot of layers. And I'm just so grateful for all the beautiful teachers that have come along in my life. There have been people that have sat with me, sat in the fire with me, prayed with me and prayed with me and prayed with me while I told the story over and over and over again. And then I got tired of telling this story. But we do that. We need people that will sit with us, that will sit in the fire with us. 
So those are the things, that we, those three things Catherine Ponder says, what will God do for you? Eliminate, manifest, gratitude. And then she says the three things that, that we do for God. The first thing we do for God, is da- she says, is daily prayer, meditation, and inspirational reading. Daily prayer, daily affirmation. See, every thought is a prayer. Every thought is a prayer. It's either a negative or a positive prayer, but it's a prayer. And the more you get clear about that, when you stand grounded in the truth, when I ask you to stand with me, I want you to stand and stay grounded in the truth of your being. We're not messing around here. Because the only place that God can show up in my life is in me, is, is in my actions, it is in my behavior, and how I, how I extend that into the world. And so to stay grounded, I like it when we stand up. We stand grounded on this earth, and we are the, we are the thing itself. Looking for the second coming? It's here right now by means of you, by means of me. And that ain't easy because all that stuff's got to get eliminated that, that, that gets in the way of that experience. There's so much of it. But it's just stuff. And so daily prayer. Meditation. Meditation is so important. Pima Chodron, we're going to use her book next uh, month called When Things Fall Apart. It's a wonderful book. And Pima talks about meditation. She said with meditation, how we train ourselves to meditate speaks so much about how we as people manage ourselves. How we... How we uh, pull ourselves in. And she said, you know, if you have a dog, if you train a dog, and every time the dog messes up, you, you beat it, you're gonna have, eventually you'll have a very obedient dog. That dog will know that you're serious. It'll also be really, really um, scared. It'll be traumatized. It'll be very, very rigid. There'll be no flexibility. It'll know all So in meditation, when we, you know, people come to me all the time and say, you know, I can't meditate. can't meditate. No way I can meditate. Oh, Okay. Well, I mean, what am I going to do? Argue with them? If you tell me you can't do something, I'm going to say, well, good for you. Then go do something else. But, but the point being is that when, with, with meditation, we just simply need to say to ourselves, stay, stay, come here, stay, 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 stay. Because you start meditating, and then pretty soon you're wandering, oh, wait, stay, I told you I was going to stay. I love that scene in Monty Python where they, they tell the guard to stay and guard the door. Stay right here and guard the door. He goes, right says, no, 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 stay here and guard the door. I mean, is this not us in meditation? But meditation is just filtering all that stuff that comes up. Oh, my God, I'm in such pain. I can't meditate. Well, you've been in pain forever. That pain's just, you're just now aware of the pain. Can't meditate. Oh, too busy. (laughs) I know you are. See you later. Daily prayer, meditation, inspirational reading. I was watching a, a television uh, briefly yesterday. I love the movie Seabiscuit. One of my favorite books of all time was Seabiscuit. You know a story about Seabiscuit? Laura and I were in California, and we're reading Seabiscuit. I'm reading, and I said, you've got to read this book. It's such an incredible story. And Seabiscuit, the great thing about Seabiscuit that I love is Seabiscuit loved, he loved to sleep. So this horse did not want to exercise, didn't want to work. He loved to sleep. And, anyway, and when he wasn't sleeping, he loved to lay out underneath a tree. They had this tree at the, at the farm, and he'd lay out there, and he'd loll around. And, it, they just, and, then, and the other thing he did is he, was, he, was, he ate twice the amount of food that the other horses, based on size, would eat. And I thought, this dog is the perfect religious scientist. I mean, this horse is a perfect religious scientist. Got all the qualities to be a member of our, our community. I love it, but it's an amazing story. So we're, we're reading this book, and we got invited to Edmonton to come here and, and candidate for this community. And we drive by the brickyard. And in the book, Red Pollard, who was the jockey for Seabiscuit, grew up in Edmonton. His dad built the brickyard. And I thought, 
look at the synchronicity in this. You know, of all the books we could be reading, we came to Edmonton, and I thought, well, this, I guess we could interpret this as a sign. In fact, the lady that came to us at Asilomar is sitting right here. Westland made her. Well, Westland's over there in the corner. Westland came up to me at Asilomar. I, this, is, this is back in 2002. And she said, hi, I'm, I'm Wesley Mather, and it's so nice to meet you, and I'm from Edmonton, well, fantastic. And she said, and you're going to be our next minister. And I went like that, and, and uh, I said, no, I don't think so. But she knew far better than I did. But, but in that, in that beautiful story of Seabiscuit, his dad comes up to him, it's a depression, the, the brickyard is flooded, they've lost everything, and his dad comes up to him, they're somewhere, I don't know where they were, because they don't say in the story, but he had this incredible gift with horses, and the family couldn't uh, support him. They couldn't stay together. And so his dad walks up with a, a, a pillowcase full of books. He hands it to him. And, and Red, his real name was Johnny, but they called him Red, had red hair. He said, and Johnny said, what's this? And he said, this is everything. This is everything. Hands him the, in the pillowcase full of books. And they were full of the classics. But education is so important. You know, I've talked the last few weeks about Greg Mortensen, Three Cups of Tea. Amazing story. Education is so important. And so this young man, through all of his struggles, and he struggled. He struggled fiercely. Took those books, kept them with him forever. He was always reading Wordsworth and the classics. Poured himself into them. But inspirational reading is so important because it lifts us up. It moves us out of that, that repetitive thinking. Daily prayer meditation. Inspirational reading is number one. Number two, what we'll do for God. Catherine says, put God first financially in your life. Put God first financially in your life. She said, if you're not in for 10%, that's, and that's serious practice. It's a serious practice. It is practice that Laura and I have practiced for a number of years. And I'll tell you what, it, when I started practicing it, man, it was tough. Because I wasn't ready for it. But my action brought me to the understanding of it. I wasn't ready for it. Man, that's, that's a huge. 10% to God? Now we don't even think about it. We, we, 10%, and, it's, and, if you, and people come up to me and say, is that net or gross? <laughs> is that net or gross? And if you've got to ask me, you aren't ready to do it. You've got to be ready to jump into that practice. You want to be a millionaire in training? You go into that practice. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a law and it works. I called August Gold. August is, one, is an amazing minister. August has a church in New York City. They keep moving about every six months because they keep growing out of their space. Just keep growing out of space, growing out of space. She's like a, she's a force of nature, this woman. Just a force of nature. We went there to see her when we were in, uh, in the, the minister's conference in March last year. And you go in and there's not enough seating upstairs, so they got a room downstairs with TV screens. And you go downstairs and watch the TV. August is upstairs speaking. I said, August, what's the number one thing? That foundational piece for you to grow a church, she says, your, your board of directors, your board of trustees, your staff ministers, your practitioners all need to be tithers. Okay, what else? No, that's it. That's it. You get that going, you got it going on. So we're working on that. We're working on that, that consciousness. But without that, she said, the rest of it doesn't matter. You need to be a tithing organization and you need to give. You want to tap into the greater abundance of the, of the universe, you need to give. So that's what you do for God. You put God first financially in your life. Wherever you're receiving spiritual inspiration, you give to that. And that taps you into a flow of life like you, you can't imagine. And the third one, I need to peek. She said, list anything else you want to do for God. List anything else you want to do for God. You notice our new carpet? Got our new carpet in? Isn't that nice? 
Beautiful. Thank you for your support. We got a new sound booth back there. About halfway through this when I was doing this, because I had to get in here on Monday and tear this out. I was in here at 4 o'clock in the morning cutting stuff out because so the, the carpet guy was coming. And people, and, and it's not because there isn't help. Because people offer all the time, hey, you got any carpentry? Let me know. I'll be over. Bring my tools. And I find with that that by the time I explain what we're doing, I can get it done myself. I just, I'm sorry. The time I get people lined up with the right tool and the, the sun's in the right position and the coffee's in the right position in their hand and it's just like, you know what, I'll just do it myself. And in the middle of this, I was starting to get a little ornery because I was getting tired. And we were tearing this old glued up carpet off here on Monday morning. And man, it was glued down well. I was so proud of whoever glued it down. It was actually me. <laughs> and I was just dripping wet. In fact, 4 o'clock service, the guy's walking out. I don't know where he is, probably be here at 4 o'clock. He says, you need any help around here? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, tomorrow morning, what are you doing? And he came in, and we tore this carpet off. It took us an hour and a half. We were just sopping wet at the end of it. But at, in the middle of it, when I was getting a little perturbed, I said, you know, if you can't do this for God, put everything down and go home, you big crybaby. <laughs> you big whining, sniveling little thing, you know? <laughs> or stop it. And I realized, you know what? I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this in service to, to a bigger idea. And I had to get clear about that. But that's part of the practice. That's part of when, you, when I get tired, man, I'm not at my best. I need to back up. I just need to back up and say, you know what? I'm doing this for a bigger cause. Bigger cause going on here. There's a wonderful Sufi story about the tiger and the dragon. And a man, as a legend goes, as the man is traveling from an old life to a new life, he starts out on a, on a journey and all of a sudden he senses that he's being stalked by something and he realizes it's a tiger. And he, he realizes, man, I'm, I'm dinner. I better get moving. And so the man runs and runs and runs and finally he comes into this meadow and there's a well there. And just as the tiger's about to pounce, the man dives down the well. And as he's falling, he, he's scrambling along the side and he grabs onto the, to the vine and he holds on. He looks up and the tiger's up there and he hears him growling. And he's holding on and holding on. He's trying, what am I going to do now? And he looks down, and, and, and down below him, he can hear the, the dragon hissing. And he's just hanging there, just hanging there. What am I going to do? How many of us are hanging with the tiger above us and the dragon below us? And as the story goes, at a certain point in time, as he's getting tired or tired, he knows he can't hang much longer. The, the sunlight breaks through the right angle, and it, light, it, it illumines this leaf that is on the vine he's hanging on to. And on the leaf is this drop of honey. And he realizes, you know what? I can't hang on anymore. So he stretches out and he licks the honey as he lets go. And the story ends there. It's a Sufi story. And the point of it is, is that we're here. The Sufis understand that. They're the lovers of God. And it's a love that if you hang out with Sufis, it's an annihilation love. They called Coleman Barks and said, we'd love to put Rumi's poetry into the Hallmark cards. And Coleman Barks said, you don't want that kind of love in Hallmark cards. This is the love of annihilation. It is really about the love of, 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 of whatever is in our way, moving it out of the way so that we can be open and present to what is real. It's really about in that moment, it's like the diamond in the coal. The force creates the, the diamond. It's also about the radiance. So this Sufi hanging there, the, the taste of the honey was the moment of radiance. See, we're here, we're here having this experience and we're part of something bigger. We're part of something bigger. The stuff, the achievement is all good. It's all good stuff because it, it, it allows us to do good work in our lives. 
but it's the fulfillment as well. The fulfillment is more elusive. And the fulfillment is about the radiance. It's about living that full life, that rich life, being a, and being teachable and being open and, and eliminating the things that no longer work. Laura and I, we, we talk about it all the time in our relationship. We, we're in constant discussion. We're always bringing our, whatever the issue is, it's always about bringing the relationship back into the harmony and the balance. And when you got that in common, it's a, it's a wonderful thing because then that conversation, you know, when you have somebody in your life that can help bring you back to that balance, it's awesome. It's an awesome experience. So either run for the pain, run from the pain, or become the healer. As Mark Nepple says, when we face, when we face life, when we face pain with love, not whether it's our pain or another person's pain, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, it's, a, it's an art. And the art of, of facing and dealing with that pain in our lives is really about us not sharing more of it. See, things happen. People come and share stories with a, a practitioners. I told a story, I, I, I used the illustration at the first service about um, nurses and doctors that work in the emergency room and they're sewing people up day after day. People are wounded day after day or the oncology nurse trying to find that very thin vein in those people in, that need the, 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 those, those very fragile needles or the, the psychiatrist or psychologist that sits with people day after day and listens to the story. How do you do that and not move into the darkness? How do you do, do that with people? Because we have compassion. Compassion means to suffer with and not get caught up in it. Not let it be, become darkness for you. And see, if you haven't, if you haven't tasted the honey, if you, haven't, if you realize you're hanging on the vine or they're hanging on the vine, it's about the radiance of the moment. It really is. We're here to, to understand. We're, this whole thing is designed and geared for us to understand that we are part of a larger plan. We are part of a larger experience. And it is beyond these things. But we use these things, we use these experiences, these relationships to move ourselves to that point of radiance if we're open and teachable enough. We're works in progress. We're works in progress. I was, back, I was backstage here two weeks ago and this woman looks at me and the bandage just started the bandage just started up and she said, and she's telling me, she was so excited, she said, I bought a lottery ticket last night. And she said, I haven't checked the numbers, but she said, I really got a good feeling and I want to give all the money to the center. She said, I just love coming here. I just love coming here. And then the band started playing and you could just see that, you could see the radiance in her eyes. And I know this woman and I know what her journey has been. And, and, and sorrow and death have, have visited this household recently. And she said, I'm just so grateful to be here. I'm just so grateful for what everyone does. And it was a moment of radiance. And I just said, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Thanks for thinking that way. Whether your ticket's a winner or not, this is a winner. This is a, this is a radiant moment. This is a beautiful thing. I love that. You know, it just takes... Um, Catherine Ponder says that any significant change that ever takes place in, in spiritual community, she, she says church, in spiritual community, always starts with one individual. And it's always a small group. The Holy Spirit always works through the minority. Joseph Campbell said the same thing. He said, once an idea becomes part of the race culture, it's dead. It's time for a new idea. That's why you see so many religions struggling. Because what they taught for a number of years is now dead because the consciousness has evolved. You know, the teachings of Jesus, we honor. We honor those teachings here. Those are pearls. Pearls change the world. But because the depth of understanding isn't there for many people, the consciousness isn't there, they interpret it literally. 
And it's about protecting what is, you're told that this is precious, this is the way, this is the only way. Man, as soon as I start hearing that, I'm out the door. We can't live like that anymore. We just can't do it. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you call yourself. I want to see how you live your life. I want to see how you show up. Because if you can't show up in that love and understand the radiance. See, I want, to run, I want to be around prayer partners that live in the radiance. I want to be stretched, man. I want to be inspired. I got huge amounts of room for improvement. Have you noticed? <laughs> it's a good thing, see? I'm a work in progress, and I'm happy with that. Every day I get to get up and explore something new. I want to share with you, um, and then we're going to do our vows. I want to share with you. Hi, Emma. Emma's coming up. Hey, sweetie. Wonderful poem by David White. He's one of my heroes. Uh, I just love David White. And uh, we have some of his poetry books in the, in the uh, bookstore. And I, th- I thought this was so appropriate for, for a Valentine's Day. We're just coming out of Valentine's Day. And it's called Letting Go. I'm going to share that with you, and then I'm going to invite you to do, um, redo your, your wedding vows with me. We're all going to get married. This is Letting Go. <clears throat> At the end, things pass away into a hard-won perspective. The sepia photographs of childhood like twilight encounters with eternity and the youthful laughter peeling across a mountainside. Standing close together, we make our vows in front of others, knowing with a backward kind of courage that everything passes away. No matter how precious the memory and that even in this we recognize the flourish and the firm signature of love. Everything we ever held in our hands is given to another or slips like sand through the gate of our fingers into something which to begin with we cannot recognize. When I read that, I think about all the blessings in my life, the, the, the angels of God's presence that have come along in my life, and when it was happening, I didn't recognize it. And I look back, and I realize, oh my God, that was a moment. That was so sweet. How could we know the blessings which illumined our days, the joy too, too strong to feel until it was no longer there to disturb us? We find ourselves always at last ennobled by the encounter, the wedding vows remembered at the end, and cherished now like a live hand holding a dead hand, loving everything it must let go. At the end of it, we're going to have to let go of all of it. it's, It's really around that clearing away that which no longer serves us, the ideas, the experiences, the resentment. It is subtraction, not addition for all of us. So I'm going to read you these vows and invite you to Marry yourself today if you'd like. So here's how it goes. I promise me always my unconditional love to give me the right to always be myself, to share and communicate, to listen to the heart of me, to uplift me and inspire me, to be a guiding light and a teacher, and to love, honor, and cherish myself in sickness and in health for as long as I shall live. So I'm going to invite you if you'd like to. So now you know what it is. You're going to get up and you're going to take this vow to yourself if you'd like to. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and repeat after me. If you'd like to. Here we go. I promise me always my unconditional love. To give me the right to always be myself. To share and communicate. To, share and communicate. to listen to the heart of me. 
to uplift me and inspire me, to be a guiding light and teacher, and to love, honor, and cherish myself in sickness and in health for as long as I shall live. Congratulations, you're married. Please give yourself a hug. All right. Beautiful. And so it is.